Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio Show. And I've got a Thriver Show today because it's definitely, definitely time that we do another one of these. I know that the community often email me and thank me so much for these shows because it really is wonderful that we know that we do get the inspiration that we can survive and then we can thrive. And I have another Thriver here today. And Marlo, I'm going to introduce her in a moment. She is a little bit of a Thriver in process at the moment. And she's doing a really, really good job after a long-term narcissistic relationship. And she's a lovely lady. I met her when I was in LA. She was one of the Thrivers that I met in our Thriver meetup. And uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to introduce Marla today. So Marla, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you here. And it's been so long since I've seen you, Marla. Yeah, it seems like forever, but it's been about nine months. But that can be forever, right? (laughs) I know, but it's gone very quickly too in another way. Yeah, it has. I do plan to be back there soon, so it's going to be lovely to catch up with you all again. So, Marla, tell the listeners about your narcissistic experience. Okay. I'll I'll try to make it not too lengthy, but I do have a couple um, things that I think are worthwhile saying and and just what your program has has done for me. Um, But to start off, I I came from... um, a family with no abuse. I had a really wonderful childhood, um, so you know I'm very thankful for that. Typical nuclear family. I was the oldest of two, so I I have a younger brother, two years younger. Mom and dad are still married, going on 50 years. Um, very traditional. Dad worked, mom stayed at home, um, and they helped put us through college, and on we went. Um, and that's actually when I met my. Um, my ex, my soon-to-be ex-husband, I was in college, and um, I started um, continuing in church how I was raised, and kind of going on a, a self-journey, you know, with religion, and I actually met him um, in a singles group in church, and we um, worked side-by-side side in the ministry for about two years. Um, he sang, and I played keyboard, and we did worship for our singles group. Um, and then um, finally, after two years, I think we both woke up and thought, well, you're the one. Now, when I first started attending that church, a lot of us started setting us up. And we were like, no way, what are you doing? It's too early. And we didn't even bat an eye on each other. Then about a year and a half into it, I thought, you know, he has some good qualities. You know, maybe this is meant to be, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I don't want it to be... Um, made, you know, man-made, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Um, So finally, um, he asked me on a date, and I remember hanging up my phone and telling my roommates, I'm getting married. I I just had a feeling. And that was our first date, but it was was different than all our other encounters. Um, So in a way, I really believe that we are meant to be together, and God put us together, and I think that's why I spent so much time with him. Um, Marla, I really can relate to that. I remember with uh, the narcissist in my life, the first narcissist, when I met him and the first time I went out on a date and I sat opposite him, I thought, I'm going to marry this man. I just Mm -hmm. knew it. And I think you're so right. I think there's just some soul contracts that we're really meant to go through. Right, right. And and so I, I, I knew, I knew that I knew. Um, but like, you know, I loved reading through all your material. I spent hours and nights doing it. But like you mentioned, it was a very quick dating because once we both opened our eyes, um, we started dating in June. He asked my dad for my hand in marriage in July. 
Wow. We were engaged in August, and we were married that January. Mm, that's quick. So it <laughs> it went real real quick. And we were the oldest of both of our families, and being the oldest, you kind of are in between generations. So uh, he he knew a lot of people. Um, so our wedding was over 400 people. Um, he had me put four more feet on my train of my wedding dress. And um, now looking back, it kind of all makes sense. It was all about image, you know, and, and his pride. But um, right after we um, said I do and we're on our honeymoon, I noticed a significant change in him right away. Oh, and, so many people report yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, he he stopped opening the car doors for me. Um, we used to do a little Bible study together. Um, it was part of our requirements at the church we're going to to do a Bible study together for marriage. And then there was a continuation, so I wanted to do it. And he, he looked at me and said, we don't need to do that anymore. And that was it. Mm. So I thought, oh, wow. Um, then the verbal abuse started. A lot of... A lot of um, lashing out, blaming, and by the time we got done with an argument, there was five different things circling in my head that I wanted to talk to him about, but I was so confused, you know, and um, crying. And, and one of the things that was a big um, fight, and I, and I let go of early on, was our finances. Um, he was a banker, so he did not like the way um, I was spending money, or he couldn't. Now I realize he couldn't control it. So early on in our marriage, I told him, "Okay, I'm gonna let you handle all the finances. I'll give you my paychecks, but I don't ever want you to tell me how much debt we're in because I was raised you don't go in debt. If you use a credit card, you pay it off the next month." And I remember like it was yesterday when I told him that. And um, so that was kind of the beginning of 20 years of me um, handing over my paycheck and um, that backfired too but I'll get to get to that later on but we um, we had two children and I laugh at it but when I was pregnant um, he also got stretch marks and I just I just I don't oh know oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen I don't know if this is manifesting attention, but he got stretch marks when I was pregnant. Oh, and I thought that was just the weirdest thing. And, and here he's going to go brag about his stretch marks, and I'm the one that's pregnant. But actually, it's really funny you should say that because the two narcissists that I've known, both of them said, oh, I had her cravings talking about their ex-wives' pregnancies. Mm-hmm. I had her cravings. I had morning sickness. Isn't that funny? It is funny, but physically stretch marks, that's... Just a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah, there's something to it. Mm. But but I did recognize um, after um, my kids are almost three years apart, two, two daughters, and uh, my oldest daughter actually has an anxiety disorder. She has generalized anxiety and um, a sensory processing. So um, her senses are, are um, hypervigilant, so she doesn't like yeah. touch. Mm-hmm. So... She got to be high maintenance when my second was born, and um, she just had a hard time settling down. So when the kids were infants in preschool age, I was up many times during the night tending to them while I let him sleep because he had the better job. And um, finally, my doctor recognized I was going through sleep deprivation and postpartum. So he put me on antidepressants, and he said, you need to let your, your husband help one night and you know it it never happened um it never happened but um that was the beginning of my my really crying out emotionally um with the the abuse and there was even uh financial abuse going on at that time because I would have to make a list to go shopping and if I spent so much money I had to account for it where I felt really bad when I had to buy diapers for my girls and that's a need yeah yeah. You know, he, I'd have to explain and justify everything I spent. Um, but I also recognized, and I don't know if, if this is a pattern with narcissists or not, but when I was pregnant, during the pregnancies with both kids, he was so nice to me. He was he was a gentleman. He's almost like we were at the courting stage of dating. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't understand why. 
except for, again, like when he married me, I was his prize. And him getting me pregnant and we're going to have some children together, I think, was his prize. And um, that was enough to feed his ego at the time because he was very nice to me when I was pregnant. Right. And as opposed to, like, other times, what would the normal conversations or the behavior be then? Um, he would he would generally come back from work and wonder, start off, like, why isn't the house clean when it, when it was? And... Um, what have you been doing? And and then he'd talk all about his day and this person. I can't believe this person said this. And my boss said this. I know my boss is wrong. And um, and then it would just be the the verbal um, assaults, you know, um, in the in the blaming. And then there was some triangulation because if there's something that he wanted to get his point across, he would remember one key thing that a person said. Yeah. It, sometimes it was my parents. And he'll say, well, you know that your parents are disappointed in you. And they may have said that about something, but he would pull it out of context and then use it against me. And, you know, later on I found, I figured out the patterns. But it was just, you know, it was just real bad. I felt really um, beat up. And then, you know, when we had the kids, it got a little bit better, and he would put his attention on the girls, which which was good, which was good. But... um, you know, after they got a little bit older, it just started all over again. But I was very, very vigilant in protecting my girls and the outside world with what was going on because we had continued a ministry, and so we were kind of in the spotlight for a while. Yeah, and it is really, those conversations, they are so confusing, and you do feel like you're so knocked out of balance and you're so confused. Mm Mm-hmm. When, as you said, I think you said that perfectly, when things are taken out of context and they're used as weapons, mm-hmm. and it's very a definite, uh, it's a very definite sign when you're yeah. arguing with somebody who's personality disordered. I used to call it out-of-bounds behavior, because mm-hmm. it's not how normal, mature adults have conversations. Right, right. Well, and I would get the point with him... Um, that he would just verbalize, verbally assault me, and I'd literally be in the ball on the wall crying yeah. out of just frustration. And when he would get me to that point, he could walk out of the room and be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yuck. It's, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. They've been at yeah. that level of frustration where you are just crying or screaming or you're just yeah. shutting down it's, because there's just nowhere else to go. Really yeah, it was, I was going to say, it was a really ha- tough time. And then if you remembered bits and pieces, and I thought, well, we'll talk about this later, if I brought it up down the, down the road, he'd ask me if I'm trying to start a fight again or why am I bringing up the past, you know, always yeah. excuses, no responsibility. That's right, that's right. And no, and then, of course, you left, you know, high and dry and empty again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really, well, you've just got to shut up and put up if you want to stay in it. It's um, it's awful. It's, it's yeah. really awful. So, Mama, yeah. when okay, so when did you get to the point where you you thought I'm going to leave? This is it. I'm done. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let, let's fast forward. Then we moved from um, we moved away from home for the ministry to another uh, location. And, again, we're still in in leadership. And we did a lot of different things, um, youth ministries, singles, um, worship, um, young adults, nursery. And then if the the pastors were on vacation, oftentimes we would be the ones to do the worship and and the service. Um, So we we were heavily in church. My my kids were raised in church. Um, But there was a point where we, we left and took a sabbatical. Um, because we were just giving, 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 giving. And I didn't mind that so much because when we were in the public um, eye, we had a natural chemistry for leadership that really we we, um, had a good uh, flow together. Mm -hmm. So we would go out a lot, but that was my, my escape from the abuse. Because what people saw in church, or we'd do booster clubs for school, um, what they saw was, was, I would say, genuine. We had a really natural chemistry, and we could do leadership really well to, together. Right. Um, and I really did enjoy those times, but it was, you know, 
like so many of us, it was behind the closed doors where everything fell apart. Mm-hmm. So we went on a sabbatical, and I remember shortly after that, he started to change a little bit, and I thought, well, this isn't like you, but maybe you're you're depressed, and you know, I'm not quite sure how it's going to manifest in a man, so I'll just give you your space. But it got to the point where I used to be able to pre- protect my kids from him um, and his verbal assaults. Well, he controlled the money still, and they started noticing the double standards of the spending. So they would start asking me, Mom, how come Dad can buy a $100 pair of sunglasses, but we can't get haircuts? And it got to the point where I I wasn't going to sugarcoat it. I just said, you know, you're right. I don't know why. You know, I, and, and um, then there's a point where my daughter, who has the generalized anxiety, we had a, a conversation with her doctor, and I would handle all the kids' doctors in school, and that was my duty. And the doctor wanted to talk to um, my my ex at the time, um, and my daughter and I with a treatment plan. And so when the doctor came, called him to invite him in, he told off the doctor, how dare you call me, I'm working, my wife handles it all, I completely trust my wife, please don't don't call me again, on and on and on and on and on. You know, you don't know how to run your office, you don't know how to bill. Um, so that's when I that's when I lost it. I, I lost it, and I remember, again, like it was yesterday, I was driving home from um, an appointment, and I, I said, I'm done. I am done. So I, I checked out of the relationship emotionally. Yes. So that was probably about four years, actually, before I left him. So I, I had checked out emotionally. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I just would call it as it is with with my kids when they'd notice. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think he, he noticed some of that. And, and, of course, I went through a lot of different counselors because when you go to people to try to explain what's going on, it's hard to do. And they all have good advice, but you know that they're not getting to the heart of your issues. And... Um, I would go to the counselors, and I'd invite him, and, and he wouldn't go either. But when I started to get my voice back, um, so to speak, because I got encouraged from the counselors, and if I wouldn't let him bully me anymore, he took it out on my kids. And I just wanted to break down and cry right then and there because exactly what he was doing to, used to do to me, he was doing to my kids. Right, okay. Yeah. And that is when I knew, okay, we're 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 done. I I can't do this. At that time, I had also um, met um, a gal who t- who turned into be one of my really really good friends who was outside of the the church in a whole different um, circle of friends, and um, she was able to call things out that you know I don't think you're in a healthy relationship. He does this this and this. Why don't you try to get out? And she actually gave me strategies for an exit plan. Like first, go get a PO box. You know, try to open a checking account without him knowing it, right. uh, things like that. And she was very, very supportive. Um, and our kids got along wonderful. And so, so it was nice to have that support because leaving, um, leaving the church, and, and we ended up not going back. We had a lot of circles of friends that I, I had to cut off because I knew he was doing a little bit of smearing. Uh, behind my back, and I know if I want to talk to someone, you know, just justify him, and that I must be emotionally unstable. Yes, yes. So he was certainly wouldn't have been the sort of person that you could have just said, okay, well, we're going to separate, now how do we do this amicably? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Which, yeah. Yeah, not not mm. at all. We, um, what, one, one of those, um, one afternoon, my youngest, I think she was 13 at the time, she pulled me aside and she said, you know, Mom, I'm very concerned. And I said, oh? And she said, I think that Dad is gay. And that kind of surprised me that that came from a 13-year-old, um, my daughter. And so I told her, please don't worry about that. That is my job to worry about, and I will take care of it. Thank you for sharing with me, and I'm here for you. Yeah. Well, I had suspected suspected some sort of infidelity or um, emotional affairs and internet stuff but um, I kind of brushed it under the carpet because I I kept telling myself if I can make it till my girls get through high school then I'll be good then I'll leave them and I kept trying trying to reach for that point but um, 
it, you know, I, I just never got there. I got to be so horrific with the verbal abuse now towards my girls and myself. Um, I needed some sort of evidence of the infidelity, actually. And I just, I just had this feeling that there's more stuff going online. So I could have left them because of the verbal abuse, you know, and I, sh- and I should have. But I'm very, <laughs> very stubborn. And being in the church, I didn't think I had a good enough reason, actually, just to leave him because he was telling me off. Um, and he would smear me, and he would be able to tell everyone in the church community and, and all the friends and family that I left him. Mm. And I just didn't want to have that mark on me. Um, and, it, and it was pride. It was pride. <laughs> well, it, it is, and it's also a lot of programming and conditioning. Because mm-hmm. I know so many women, well, and men, we didn't really know the parameters of abuse. And I know I used to think, well, if I haven't got black eyes, well, I'm not really mm-hmm. being abused. Yeah. Yeah, well, I remember thinking early on, well, I signed up for this. Everyone must go through this, you know, and um, this is what God wanted me to be in. Absolutely. And, you know, like it was, it was it was the belief system. And, all the, you know, my duty is to be the best wife. And I, you know, turn the other cheek and, and, and mm-hmm. forgive. And I tell you what, I, I'm thinking emotionally I made it so long in the, in the marriage. A, I was stubborn, um, but B... Um, I'm. We're kind of from a lot lively church where we like to clap our hands and raise our hands when we do worship, mm-hmm. and um, when we pray for each other, we like to lay on hands. Um, and so I remember after church, we do altar calls where we could just go up and pray um, for anyone, and then when the congregation started to leave, we would go up as leadership to pray. And at those times, I would remember crying at the altar in the church, crying out to God about my marriage and so i had a lot of big emotional releases during my marriage um also in the church you know you 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 try to forgive so i would spend hours praying to i got to a point where i was at peace in my heart where i truly had forgiven him for something but after a few years you get it gets tiring i didn't realize how tired i was Mm -hmm. i thought i can't pray one more time to forgive him i'm tired I think yeah. this is a wonderful message, Marla, that we're doing right now at the moment for the religious community that mm-hmm. are listening because I've come across so many people that have been connected to the church that have hung on for years and years and years and they've believed that this is what God wants and that yes. all the things that you're saying, and I know for myself as a spiritualist, I'm not structured religion, but even spiritually my deal was, you know, when I... I combine my soul with a man in marriage that it's for life. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. one belief nearly took me into my grave. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I concur. Yeah. And I, look, you know, I, I really do not believe that. I, I believe that God wants us to evolve and grow and heal and be the best people that we can certainly be. And, and we're certainly not that when we're living with repeat abuse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I saw the, some a lot of double standards. In fact, at one point during our marriage, I remember I finally had written him a long letter. And I told him, you are having an emotional affair with the pastors of our church. Because the pastor, he was his best friend. And then, um, you know, his wife kind of was in that picture. And I was kind of the odd one out because I had the children. Um, and their children were older. But um, I said you're having an emotional affair with the um, with the pastor, and I don't think this is in line with what God wants for us. So let's either go to counseling and get it worked out, or I think separation is ne- inevitable. Yeah. And that kind of got brushed off for a couple of years. Um, that letter, but then he would also use it in verbal attacks to try to haunt me. Well, you're the one who said that I couldn't have any more friends and that I was having an emotional affair. You know. Yeah. And so that would haunt me eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it does all get spun around and turned around, yeah. and and, uh, and and you know, I know from your story that you know he 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 is gay. You know? Yes. He's gay. Yes. Mm. Yes. And I mean, that's okay. We're not putting down gays, right? Oh no, not at all. Not no, at all. gosh, no. But not at all. It was, it was it was an interesting adjustment, especially for my children. But the way I finally left him is I found um, a gay social network, and um, I think it could be rated triple X, 
and I found his profile. I made a fake profile of a of another man, and it was so easy to do. I'm I'm really scared <laughs> for my my children out there who have Facebook pages and things. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was really easy to make a fake profile, mm. but um, and I asked a friend to be able to look at the photo albums. Um, you had to be become a member. So I asked a friend if if they wouldn't mind paying on their credit card so I can become a member. So he couldn't trace it, because remember, he was the banker. And if I made any transactions, even at the supermarket, he would come home and say, oh, you spent this much money at the supermarket, what would you get? So I, you know, he he knew, it felt like he knew my every move. So my friend did it, but she pointed out, you know, she was like, are you really sure you want to see these pictures? Because you're opening Pandora's box. And I told her, yes, I do, because this is the closure I need. This is something concrete, right. and and my my religious beliefs, if there's infidelity, you do have a right to divorce and leave each other. Um, and I said, no, I need this. And um, I went online and opened up his photo albums, and there was him with um, other men, wow. um, you know, in, in a different, um, what I would call gay fetish, um, parties, which there is a culture out there, and I'm not, I'm not trying to to diss it, but he was with other men, and yeah. you know it was kind of sad, but it was a relief at the same time. Um, mm. So I remember I, I held on to some pictures that I printed up, and I thought, okay, when the time's right, I'm going to show these to him and confront him. So before I did that, I had asked him, you know, I said we need to go to counseling or to, for communication or separation is inevitable, and that went for a while. Meanwhile, he had got asked to perform the wedding ceremonies for a younger brother and sister. So I didn't want to leave him right before he was going to perform these wedding ceremonies, especially because he was asked to do it. So that kind of prolonged the separation as well, um, because I I just didn't feel right about it. So um, after all the the weddings, and, you know, and everyone in the family who was married, um, I gave him another ultimatum. You know, we need to go to counseling or separation is inevitable. Well, he didn't care. He actually used the word, you are crazy. And I hadn't heard that till I gave him an ultimatum. And now I'm hearing it all the time in the community. But he said, no, you are the crazy one. Mm-hmm. And I said, great, come to counseling with me. You pick the counselor and please tell them how crazy I am. Yeah, yeah, let's sort it all out. Yeah, and he and he refused. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I knew that was it. So one evening we had an argument, and I produced the pictures, confronted him with those pictures, and I said, this is grounds for divorce, and I will be getting ready to leave you. And I walked out of the room, and I think I left that night um, to a friend's with my daughter because um, my daughter's upset over the fight we had had earlier that day anyway. So that was that was the beginning um, of the of, of the exit. Uh, meanwhile, I did get a PO box. I did get another checking account. Um, so I kind of started planning what I had to do to 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 live independently. Um, so I moved out and I lived um, in a different room until um, for about five months. Um, and during that time was our 20th wedding anniversary. And, um, you know, and we kind of didn't even talk about that at all or see each other that day. And then right after that, um, we had a court date. And um, he didn't realize I was that prepared. I think he kept thinking that I'm not going to do it. Um, financially, I couldn't do it. I was dumb, you know, because he tried to make me very dependent on him. Yeah. And I had told him I'm keeping my paychecks on this date. I was more than fair with him. Looking back at it now, <laughs> I'm thinking, why did I do that? But um, I was more than fair with him. And then in court, he had learned that we had court on Tuesday. He would learned that Friday I already had a rental house. I was picking up my keys. So I'd be moved out by that Friday. Um, I'm keeping my own money. And then he learned that he had to pay me child support. He had to pay me spousal support and that he only could see our daughter 40% of the time because when I had moved out, my oldest was 18, and my youngest was still 15. Yeah. And the 18-year-old was still in high school, so so I still she's still with me until she graduated. And so he he got really hit with a lot that week, and I know he felt out of control. Um, but um, it was it was a relief for 
the, the three of us to get out. We, we had to get out. Mm. And did he fight back with that stuff, or did, did he just accept it? He kind of accepted it because um, he wasn't happy, but I think he kind of accepted it because he had already been smearing me with his, his mother and some other people, and I and I knew deep down about a year going into that, and I thought, well, he's going to be the victim again. He's going to, you know, cry to mom. You know, I don't, I don't care. I'm out of it. And so I actually made it, um, made my girls a big part of the move. You know, do you like this rental house? You, which room do you want? We'll do it however you want. So they felt like they were in control of the move um, as well because they knew they didn't want to be in that situation anymore either. Mm. I think, I think, you know, I'm so proud of my girls. I think that really helped just to. You know, they don't, they don't even know all the details, but I was honest as I could because, you know, kids kids know things. You know, they they knew that um, their dad was gay before I did or was ready to admit it. I don't know. Kids do know. <laughs> yeah. They so know. Marla, that was a lot of years that you were living with those sort of confusing conversations, that, that type of abuse. So when you got out of that... As we all know, it's not just like we just move out and then right. life's fine. Right, right. Well, when I when I moved out, um, actually when he would uh, pick up my daughter for because we were sharing custody, I had 60, he had 40, I would still go out to the car and we'd talk civil to each other about business because they're still trying to transition some things. And um, But I remember still feeling really down. And that is actually then when I... Um, stumbled onto you and I don't think uh, you know I don't think it was coincidence I think I was supposed to find you when I did and um, I what stayed up that researching? what were you researching what were you looking for that did you I you know it, I, I was trying to recall and it's kind of funny how it happened um, a friend of mine on Facebook posted a song and it was called a narcissistic boy and I thought oh, that sounds funny, or, you know, I wonder what this is about, because I kind of was using the term narcissist, but I didn't really know the meaning, but I, it just felt like it felt right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I opened up this song, and it was by a gal, um, it's B.C. Jean, G-E-A-N, um, on YouTube, and she's from San Diego, and she did this song um, about narcissists, and it was it was hilarious, and I kind of made that my new theme song. So I sent it to this good friend of mine, who was the one pointing out, you know, how to make the exit strategy and you need to move. And she she um, commented back and said, that's really funny, but did you notice that the, on her video on the side of the pages, there's links for uh, narcissistic abuse. There's one with Melanie Tonya Evans. She looks good. Why don't you check her out? Oh, I didn't even know that she had me there, but there you go. Yeah, isn't that funny? Mm. And I don't know if it was... An intent, intentional there, or just part of the the web page with her song that they put advertisements on it. Mm. But there you were, and so that night I, you know, I was able to have some time by myself, and I was up all night going through all your material, and I was sobbing. Finally, finally, I had words to explain my last twenty years that I couldn't explain to anyone. Mm. And like I said, I hid it from the world, but behind closed doors, it was awful. And it was really hard, especially to tell my parents that I was going to leave him um, because I hid it well from my relatives as well. But um, you were so articulate in, in all of in your videos and your articles, and um, it, it, just put, it just put all the pieces together for me. Isn't it, it, it is amazing, isn't it, that for so many of us, we just, I think you're so right, we're just like, we think we're going crazy, really. Yeah, oh yeah. Mm. And it's not until we start seeing all the common things and the things that, well, for a narcissist, they're all really common, those things. They're all very stock standard, but for mm. us and normal human life and behavior, they're just completely off the planet. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And yeah. then what happened after that? So well, I I ordered I ordered your um, NARC, and I hit that immediately. And um, did a lot of shifts. Now, the shifts, all of that was new to me, the terminology and all of that. And um, I would tell you, previously when we were still in church, um, I probably would have batted an eye and thought, not looking at that, that's new age. 
Yeah, Honestly, of course. I, I would have been judgmental, and it would have been because of the church I was in. But because I had exhausted everything, and I was in my power, and I was just, I was at the end. Mm. I, I was open to it. So what did I, you try? Just backtracking a bit. What did you try to get well? Um, I'm sorry. One more time. What did you try to get better? Had you been doing counselling? Had you? Yes, I had. I had been doing counselling off and on. Of course, prayer. You know, and you try to make sure you have the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and and throughout the marriage, I would try different angles. And um, and finally, when it got to the point where I asked for counseling, he denied. I said we'd have to separate. And I thought, well, I have to stick to my ultimatum, or I don't have anything to stand on. Yeah. And um, at that point, when I could show him the pictures. I had known deep down I did everything in my, my power because sure. I was going to go to counseling still. Exactly. And then with yourself after that, like how how long was it or what were you trying or how long was it before you found my stuff? I actually found your stuff probably within a couple of weeks of our first um, court date mm-hmm. uh, where okay. we had, I had 60% custody and he had 40%. So I was still kind of in a honeymoon time um, moving. Yeah. I had slowly started moving things out of the house that he wouldn't miss. Um, and then the day I told him I'd, I'd move, um, that's when my lawyer said, grab everything you, you want now because you may not see it or get it. That's and, right, exactly. And I did. I, I did. So I was still kind of honeymooning. Um, it felt At first it felt good because I was free. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But, and a lot but, of people don't have that, you know. It's just... I think it's probably been a lot more consistent with the people that have done the really long distance relationships and then, you know, like you said, they're emotionally done for quite some time before they're out and for sure there's that freedom. For a lot of us, it was we dragged ourselves out of their battered, shattered, addicted you know, it was it was yeah. a different sort of story altogether. It was, it was. Mm. Well, and, and, and you know, so after that honeymoon is when I actually found you, because deep down you have that lingering pull of depression. And um, the other thing that happened at that time that I didn't mention, when I was planning my exit, I started snooping into our finances. And as you remember, I handed my paycheck over for 20 years, and he did it all. Well, when I started snooping through finances and to try to get copies of key documents before I moved out, um, I noticed that we were in a lot of debt. And so mm-hmm. I moved out mm-hmm. and I was able to look at our debt and it was quite significant. So I went to a, um, a free debt consolidation uh, nonprofit to work to see if we can work out a plan because, you know, I, I was raised, you pay off your debt. And I, you know, I can live without TV. It doesn't bother me at all. You know, I could cut back. Um, but the the agency they recommended that I go bankrupt. It was that much in debt. And this is just so consistent with narcissism. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not the amount of debt that narcissists are constantly doing. Yes, I I still cannot figure out um, where the money went. He was robbing. Peter to pay Paul, he was taking money in and out of my girls' accounts and then giving them back, giving them some money back, but it was slowly decreasing. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And so I ended up going um, bankrupt, but that was a process, so that prolonged the divorce. Um, But my lawyer wanted the bankruptcy to be over, so when we did the assets and debts for the divorce, it was very clear. Um, So that, again, was a, a process. Um, I remember I had a meeting with a trustee, and my ex showed up with his boyfriend um, as one of my my lenders, and went up and tried to talk the trustee out of certain things that he still wanted. And the trustee said, "No, but you can buy these items back, but they're technically mine now." Um, But I said, "Sir, you go bankrupt too." And I still to this day don't think he has because he he's been with this bank for 25 years. Right. He's worked his way up from teller all the way up to a regional position now, so now he's actually working out of out of the home. Yeah. Uh, and for him to go bankrupt in his job, you know, I can't afford to have him lose his job right now. <laughs> and, and so I don't think I don't think he's he's going bankrupt, but you know, that mm-hmm. that's to be played out still. So all of that would have been a huge shock to your system. I mean yes. 
like your marriage, you've had to leave your marriage, found out that your husband's gay, mm-hmm. and you've also found out that there's enormous debt. Yes. So how old were you, Marla, when all this happened? Um, this started, let's see. So when you found that and you left, how old were you? I was um, 43, and I'd been right after I left, I turned 44. Yeah, okay, so you're in your 40s, and this is it, you know, looking down the barrel at going, well, pretty much my life, I've got got two gorgeous girls, absolutely, but Mm -hmm. I've got to start all over again. Yes, yes. Well, and I have to tell you... um, it was it's very scary because I was literally starting all over, and I knew deep down that now I'm financially responsible for my kids because he wasn't helping with anything. Any extracurricular things, he would say, nope, that's why I'm paying your mom child support, and he cut, him out, cut himself off financially completely. So that's kind of scary when you think you got to get your kids vehicles and, and you got to put them through college and... Um, it was an eye, an eye opener, but that was probably about the time I, I discovered you and started on the the NARP program. Mm. So tell us about NARP and what you were working on, and what because it is it's always about upleveling ourselves and you know our unhealed wounds and creating ourselves as a change. What did you find? What did you find when you were doing your NARP journey about what it was that you were needing to heal? You know, I I um I did it any break I got away from my children, um and the first couple of times you are moaning on the on the couch and crying hysterically, um, when you look inside yourself. It's very painful. Um but I was able yeah, I was able to just kinda of follow your, your guidelines. I you know, I went you know, I had to I had to go through the it, it's not me, um the guilt that he put on me, I I had to kind of go through through that that you know I'm I'm worthy, I'm still work, working on my worthiness, but um, you know I just remember shifting and sometimes going all night just just shifting mm-hmm. and um, trying not to let my kids know. The, the thing with me is I also made make, made excuses to not do your stuff because my kids were around. And I think, I don't know if you remember during um, our L.A. meeting, yeah. but I had asked you, what can I do? Because I get hit with these things when I'm in the car, driving, commuting, yeah. and I can't, <laughs> I can't do a, do a shift. And, and yeah. you made a comment. She says, is there anything that's worth more than shifting? She says, I would just pull over and spend your 15 minutes, half yeah. and a half hour. It's worth it. And that kind of took me back, but it was true. It was true. <laughs> and so there's a couple of times I was able to do that. Found a, a parking lot and was able to do some shifting there in the car. But um, yeah, you know, I was able to release the, the injustice that had been done to to me. I, the 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 need to win. Um, it was really good for me to read your material that you can never hold them accountable. Because yeah. that was such a desire for 20 years to have some sorts of accountability and never happened. Yeah. Um, and it was a relief. I was able to, to give it give it up then. Um, mm. You know, there's pain, to, there's uh, illusion, um, all all of that. So I was able to kind of um, keep shifting all of that. After I got through the whole program, I'd go back then for little bits and pieces as things came up. And, and the one that was hard for me was setting goals. Um, but eventually able to set some goals. Um, and I think, you know, at first it was hard, but I, I'm very logical and I overthink things. And then I'd have to pull back and listen to some of your radio shows, and I'd realize how simple it really was, and I was the one making it harder. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, and I I think that's why you're such a great thriver, Marla, because I know that since I've known you that there's been struggles. That yes. there's been times when you've been in your head and yes. we can all be guilty of that. I say to people all the time, I think I used to be president of Overanalysis Anonymous. Mm-hmm. My whole life was in my head. And you're so yeah. right when we find a different way and a better way and that's what's very good about NARP 
is that right. if we just surrender into it and feel the emotion and use the process to get it out of our body. Right. Right. I am I it took me a while but I think I've learned. <laughs> you know, and, and I felt you know, I felt so good after the going through it initially that um I actually backslid a little bit and didn't touch your material for a little while. Um but I got so busy with, with life. Then some key things started coming up and I went back to it. Um but um I remember going back to specific goals, setting goals for yourself and um, I think giving up the illusion when we went to court because meanwhile during this custody he had 40% but he kept trying to tell us that he had a new roommate and the girls weren't comfortable going over there and we knew deep down that the roommate was his new partner and he was telling the court it was his roommate so I reopened the child custody and said you know my kids are at the time they were 15 and 18, and the new roommate was 24 years old, and he was 45. Yeah. So there is a big age difference. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman was very close to my girl's age, and I, I told the court, I'm not comfortable with this roommate over there. Um, but when I went in, I really felt empowered. Um, I felt um, freer. Mm-hmm. And I really think that doing that shift had a really... I think it really made a difference with the outcome because we were able to get the ruling that my um my youngest could never be alone with this gentleman. And that was a, a victory in itself right there. Um so that meant that he couldn't pick her up from school or anything. And uh, that, is, that was a victory. That was our first victory. That that's big. That is well it is big. And there's lots of those sorts of victories in the NARP community with NARPers. Mm-hmm. And the re- and the reason is, is because if we're going to, into any situation in life and we're in pain and fear and shock and unworthiness and fear of outcomes and attachment to outcomes, in other words, if we're carrying negative emotion on it, that's mm-hmm. exactly what we're really likely to manifest. So exactly. Yeah. So most people, when they're in court situations with narcissists, end up having a terrible time, a horrible time with it. Yes. And yes. they get ruled against constantly. Yet I find you know, that so many people that when they do do the NART work and they do do their shifts, is that's when all this space opens up in the field and with life and what's been generated and manifested. And so often the right thing happens. People yes. get positive rulings. Yes. Yeah, oh, I was thrilled. After that first victory, I just, wow. <laughs> I thought, this stuff is working. I don't know why, but <laughs> this is wonderful. Um, so, you know, we had to have a couple more um, court dates, but with each new court, gate, uh, court date, I got more and more custody. Um, and then it got to the point where she didn't have to stay overnight anymore um, because, you know, here here's Dad going to bed with someone else, and that was... That was the bed my mom and dad had growing up. It was just, it was just it gave her a stomachache. It was upsetting. Um, at one point, when he was still trying to pretend he was the roommate, she, he told her, and she's 15, said, "You cannot get out of your room in the morning on a Saturday morning. You cannot cannot leave your room on Saturday morning until I come get you." Well, what they were doing is he and his lover were sleeping in, and then the lover would try to sneak out of the bedroom downstairs to another room. And then they'd go get my 15-year-old and say, well, you can come out now and pretend that he was the roommate still before they finally got truthful. And my daughter saw right through it. She saw the lies, you know, the the trying to um, be mysterious and, and manipulative. And unfortunately, he, he's already burnt bridge with both of the girls. Um, that's it. That's it. That, that's the thing, isn't it? It's not even so much the the gay thing. It's the lying thing, the hiding exactly. thing, and that's what they always. I believe this so much that within families, every family has its level of dysfunction, and even something that could be a terrific as an addict, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. there was openness, if there was transparency, if there was humility. If there was responsibility and honesty taken, that is so much more healthy than a family that looks to be functional that's actually lying. Right, 
No, I I agree that that deception um, deception is really you know it, it only it's it can ruin a lot of lives. It really can. And um, I this this gentleman actually met me once um, to try to co-parent my daughter. And I was thinking, you know, why are you down here talking to me? I don't want to meet you, and it's none of your business. But I'll I'll kind of play on with you because I know I have a court date coming up again. And um, and I tried to explain to him because my daughter was lashing out, but it was out of her father, um, his deception. And I explained to him, I said, you know what, my girls are not um, haters, so to speak, of the gay community. We we have friends um, friends who are gay, and and you know we're we're not haters. Yeah, you live in you live in California, right? Yeah, I try to tell the gentleman, no, my girls are not haters. Yeah. The thing that they're angry at is the lies of their father, and it's what it represents. I mean, you represent the other woman. You could be a woman, and she'd still be lashing out. Um, so it's not the gay thing. Really, is not in the equation. Um, but it, but it was the two of them just trying to lie and deceive deceive the kids. That that was really um, unfortunate. So did your ex finally come clean about it and have the conversation with the girls honestly? Um, well, it came out in court, so we had another court date, and I think um, we, he was pretending that he was the roommate, so I kept using his words. So he didn't actually sit the girls down and say, look, this is oh, the no. truth. He didn't do it. Well, then, you oh, know, no. you can't expect respect. You can't expect your no. children to just cop you. It was it was um, deny, deny. But in this court date, he also then told the judge that, you know, I, I, I have something I want to tell the court, but privately. So they went in closed chambers, and he said, well, he is more than um, a roommate. He's my partner. And I think he was trying to do that strategically um, so the court couldn't be biased against a 25- or 24-year-old roommate. Um, now they're partners, and we have to accept that. Um, however, on that court date when he came out, um, it was another victory for me because I got more custody. Right. And again, I went in prepared and was in a really good space. I had done a shift the night before. and um, Had you used Modulate, which is what often yeah. people do? So, okay, yeah. Module 8 uh, and Module 5, I think, were my key ones for a while. But Module 8, I did a lot, yes. Okay, yes. yeah. And it went wonderful because, you know, it, it worked. But, but then um, he... The the judge did order counseling for my daughter and my my ex for their relationship, um, and we all know how that's going to turn out. However, <laughs> during the counseling, the counselor told my daughter, "Well, well, your father has something to say," and he looked at her and he said, "Well, as you know, so and so and I were more than roommates," and my daughter looked at him and said, "You think?" Yeah, like hello. <laughs> you know, she was done. Um, and then that same day, he called my oldest daughter and told her the same thing. We're more than roommates. Um, and that's it. No, no, I'm sorry I lied to you. No, I'm sorry I tried to trick you. Just that we're more than roommates. Yeah, and it's not enough, is it? It's no. just, you know, I, I think it's incredibly arrogant of us as parents or any parents that if we think that we can just lie to our kids and they think that they're going to swallow it and they're going to respect us and love us and feel connected. Right. They're not right. going to. Yeah. No, we yeah. have to all get really authentic and real and honest about the good and the bad stuff. And mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And and mm. it's, it's been so nice to be part of the forum in this community because, you know, we it all plays out the same. We have different details. Um, but just knowing that this is how he behaves, and that's what narcissists do. I've been actually able to. My, my, I've been fortunate. My kids are older, but I've been able to explain to them. You know, he's not capable of true love. He's yeah. not. You know, so they understand it and right. they see right through it. He's a third generation from a very manipulative family, um, so that the whole environment with his family um, that's toxic as well. But my my girls, they see right through it, and I I am so proud of them. They, there's no truancy in their life. There's no um, self-medication. There's no um, 
suicide threats, running, you know, running away, anything. Um, oh, they've been cool. so level-headed through this, and I really believe, too, it's helped through going through your programs, empowering myself so I can empower my kids. That's just so important. It really is. That's that's huge for our kids. We've got to. You can't you can't teach where you're not going. Right. Right. You can't lead where you're not walking yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's been it, you know it's been quite the journey. We just recently had another victory in in court where um, the judge just ruled that my daughter has to see her dad after school on Mondays just for a few hours, um, and that's it. No weekends, no overnights, um, nothing. And that's kind of unheard of um, in this, this area. They still try, even if there's men, you know, mental health issues, but you can't prove it, um, and different issues, the court really believes to try to let the parents and, and the children see each other as much as they can. So so just that I got that ruling was huge for, for this area. And I was fortunate that I had a really just judge and was looking out for the best interest of my daughter. Uh, well, it's law of attraction, isn't it? You know, yes. when we do the inner work, life and the environment start coagulating to match that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would have been a believer myself until I got to that point where I was bottom out, and and I had no no other way to go, and and like you know, like I said, getting into your things, the terminology was new to me, but I was able to research it. And quantum physics is fascinating right now with what they can prove scientifically, mm. um, and law of attraction and all of that. And um, I I've experienced that, yeah. it for myself. Yeah, I opened myself up, and I experienced it, and. Um, you know, it 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 works. It works, and and I do want to say if there you know if there's other Christians out there, um, please don't don't judge it and and, and without trying it. Um, I know that with our, our our beliefs that it can be very easy just to to pass it up. But if you're already here looking at Melanie stuff and listening. Um, that already says that you're at the point of your life where you need something else. And I can't explain why it works, how it works, um, and I can't even necessarily get it all in my little box of religion. But I do know when I finally leave this earth, <laughs> I have a lot of God questions. There's a lot of questions I think we can't wait to ask God because we just don't have the answers to. But, um, yeah, I'd encourage anyone to, to give you a shot and um, just pray about it and, and follow their own um, their own leading. You know, I, I had nothing to lose, and it, and it worked. And um, I still believe in the same God. It didn't change me. And, um, you know, life is life is improving. I, I couldn't imagine where I'd be here right now, Mal, without, your, without you or your material. Oh, Marla, that's just such a beautiful message out there to everybody. Because I think we're all, we are all, look, it's it's all the one God. It's all love. It's all about getting well. It's all about being the best, most loving, capable people we can be and creating that for our children and for other people. It's it's all about yes. love and God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in hindsight, everything has fallen in place for me. I'm actually in a season where... Um, I'm not working for a little while just to get some rest. And so I kind of cheated on your, your quantum freedom healing. Um, I read the stuff online, but I kind of raced through the material. Mm, you um, mean the, the Empowered Self course? Oh, yes, yes. yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But finally I printed it up, and I've set, actually I've set this week apart to really journal and, and hit it and, and go through it because I'm at... I'm literally at a place still with, uh, I have, everything's new beginnings, new beginnings. My daughter will graduate from high school this year. My other one's in college. And, you know, things may open up. I may be, you know, relocating. Who knows? So um, I'm really excited to go ahead and, and, and work this week on your things a little bit deeper and see where life takes me. But looking back at everything, everything's fallen in place as it should. And I'm at a perfect peace. Oh, that's lovely, Marla. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's such a really powerful story. Mm, My pleasure. Thank you. Mm, It's been lovely having you. Okay, Marla, thank you. Bye-bye. Good night. All right, bye-bye. 
Well, thank you, everybody, for listening in to this show. It's an amazing show, and there's just there's just so many good messages in this show, I really think. And uh, for people that are interested in finding out about more about the NARP program, I do a webinar, which is every two weeks, and you can find that on my blog, and you can come into my webinar and experience Quantum Freedom Healing and some of the NARP processes for yourself. So that's it for me, everybody, and lots of love, and I'll be back next week. Bye-bye.